Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. Are your fingers wore out yet? Are your voices wore out yet? Praise God. The Lord refresh you. Amen. Would you give the worship team a hand tonight? You know, the first night that pastor said we'll come back tomorrow night at 6 o'clock, I thought, that's mighty early. Most revivals I preach start 7, 7.30. Now I know why y'all start so early. I'm just glad y'all take an intermission and let me talk a little bit before you get back to what you want to do. If you have your Bible, let's go to the book of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Good to have my friend, Brother Devin, here tonight from Enterprise, Alabama. Got anybody else here from Alabama? All right, all right. If y'all say roll tide instead of amen, I'll know what you mean. You know, I watched a little bit of the service from last night online, and I couldn't tell which one of these boys it was because it was the back of their head. But when, some, when that family got to running, the, one of the boys looked up at their dad like, we going? I, I was you. Who's your daddy? Who is your father here? Who'd you look at? Somebody is looking beside, and he's like, "Are you gonna take me?" I thought, "Oh, oh!" So several of you, because one of them was looking up at a man. <laughs> well, shame on you, parents, for not taking him. You know that what that look meant. <laughs> Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3, let's stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. Praise God. My mama texted me today and she said, if it was any closer, I'd just drive up. I was halfway looking for her to come in the door anyways. How many know you have something special here? Before we go to God's word, let me just, let me just share something with you. If you receive it, receive it. If not, pass it on. But I, I'd like to give... I'd like to give a word of wisdom. Um, this, is, this is a principle of leadership in any organization. The, the, the answer determines the problem. The answer determines the problem. If the answer is four then there's only so many problems that you can come up with that are going to equal four. You understand what I'm saying? If the answer is four, then your problem's going to be two plus two or something like that. Now, if the answer is headache medicine, it controls the problem. If you offer headache medicine, what kind of clients and customers are you going to get? People with headaches. Now, the, the temperature of this house is that of breakthrough and deliverance and, and it's, it's powerful, it's primary, it's important. But let me speak to some people in this house that have already gotten their breakthrough. Just because that's the answer does not mean you have to live in a cycle of bound and free and bound and free and bound and free in order to get something from God. I know you just heard it with your ears, but I needed to seep down inside of you that if the answer is breakthrough, you will begin to think that I have to manufacture a mind battle. I have to 
fall into a cycle of struggle, relief, struggle, relief in order to touch the presence of God. And hear me, we will never move onward and upward if we stay in that cycle. The doors will always be open to those that need breakthrough. But if you got your breakthrough, let me just speak to you tonight. Stay free. Keep the victory. Live on the hallelujah side. And then you'll be ready to help others pray through and stay through. Do you receive that tonight? Hallelujah. Amen. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says that I might know him. Paul writing to the church in Philippi says that I might know him in the po- and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 18. 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 18. You know, when I first started evangelizing, I preached primarily for real strict churches. And the stricter the church, sometimes the higher octane service you have. Because if everything else is a sin, it's a sin to watch it and listen to it and be around it, then you look forward to church to show out. And I usually got at least two, I usually got at least two freebies for revival. You know what I mean? They just shout and have a runaway and I wouldn't get to preach. Y'all have church long enough for me to get a freebie. But y'all are intended on staying till 11. I don't know what kind of jobs y'all have. <laughs> 11 o'clock, night after night, and you're still here? Y'all are weird. I like it. No, no freebie tonight. All right. First Samuel chapter 19 and verse 18. So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel, to Ramah, and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is at Naoth in Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Then went he also to Ramah and came to the great well that is in Seshu. He asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they be at Naoth in Ramah. And he went thither to to Naoth in Ramah. The Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to uh, Naoth in Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes also and prophesied before Samuel in like manner. And lay down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore they say is Saul also among the prophets. Hermano Felipe, would you pray for us? Would you pray for us in Spanish for the remainder of this service? Amen. Would you pray with the Spirit of God that's on your life and the hand of God that's on your life? Would you lift your hands right now and pray that God would move over this service? Go ahead. Hallelujah.
Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Hermano, I thought to have you testify tonight, but I feel like God's touching you so much you may not give it back to me if I let you borrow the microphone for a little bit. So I'm not going to let you testify. i just let you pray. Glory to God. I praise God for you. The Lord touched you last night, didn't he? Amen. Awaken that, awaken that call inside of you. Amen. It's real. Praise the Lord. I, I don't know if we still uh, have questions like this from the back seat of cars, but I know that in time past when people went on journeys and, uh, you know, uh, we don't even use roadmaps hardly anymore, do we? I saw this one thing that said if the millennials ever tried to rebel against the boomers, all the boomers got to do is write in cursive and go to using roadmaps and they will totally <laughs> conquer the millennials. And uh, but but when we had to use roadmaps, then the cry would come from the back seat. Are we there yet? Now it seems like every person in the vehicle has their own tablet, their own AirPods, their own earbuds, their own headphones, their own uh, navigation. They're all <laughs> they're all backseat drivers telling the driver which way to turn and which way to go. I don't know if people still ask that question. But they still ask that question in your car. Are we there yet? My dad was not really that patient of a father when it came to demands from the back seat. I, I think about, I don't think I ever had the chance to ask that question. I kind of knew that if I didn't act right, he was just going to pull the car over and say, if y'all don't act up, we're going to turn around and go back to the house. Amen. And so, uh, but I can hear the sound from other people's families that says, are we there yet? And I want to preach for a little while tonight on the, on the truth, on the, uh, I feel a prophetic unction to say this to this house, corporately and individually, we're not there yet. You're not there yet, and we're not there yet. There, there, see, the reason that we have to preach the word is that the, the individual blessing of a person's breakthrough here and there is so primary to where God is doing in their life. But if we're going to take the road map to where we're going, we've got to lay down the bricks of the word of God to take us one step at a time. It feels good to get a breakthrough, amen, but we're going to stay through. We've got to make sure that we're in the word. Now, as Pentecostals, we are all about moments in the presence of God we prepare for moments we have pre-service prayer we fast and pray for conferences and camp meetings and youth camps and retreats. Preachers prepare hours to get messages. Worship team come early, preparing a lifetime, their ability to play an instrument, learning a song, everything building up to a climactic moment. And then we begin to use words in our doctrinal explanation of what's happened in our life and say that in that moment I got saved. But, but the truth is that it didn't stop there. The truth is theology says this I was saved I am being saved and I shall be saved because if you say you were saved but you don't walk in the light as he is in the light you don't have fellowship with one another the blood of Jesus doesn't forgive you of your sin first John chapter 1 then friend it doesn't matter that you got saved you won't be saved on that day there is scripture that says he can blot your name out of the Lamb's book of life it is not about a moment it is about a movement it is about a continuum of staying saved we have people that believe that they had one moment of sanctification and that it was over. Now hear me. If you've not had any moment of sanctification, you're not born again. Doesn't matter how long you stayed under the water. Doesn't matter how many tears you cried. 
If you love your sin, you defend your sin, you fight for your sin, then you don't love the one who paid the price to wash you of that. Salvation is not just forgiveness. Salvation is sanctification, meaning you hate your old lover. You hate the old thing that had you bound. Amen. It ought not offend you if you've been divorced and married five times. If that man of God starts preaching against divorce, you ought to say, that's right, pastor. I'm not offended by it. I hate it just the way God hates it. Amen. Keep on preaching. Glory to God. It ought not offend you if he preaches against the substance abuse you had. The alcohol. Amen. The perversion. Whatever it was. You ought to say that's right. When I fell in love with Jesus, I walked away from that. But hear me. If that was only a moment and not a movement then you think somehow you've arrived. If anybody in scripture could have said they've arrived, it would have been Paul. I'm talking about, he said, five times I received 40 lashes, save one of the Jews. Two times I was beaten by rods. I was stoned and left for dead. He said, I've been through all of that, and yet I have not yet apprehended. I've not yet attained. This one thing I do, I press on. There's still something ahead of me. I haven't arrived yet. You know, if something good happens in our life, we make it all about that moment and miss out on the fact that God might have more for us. than he. See, we always take that verse to say, forgetting those things which are behind, as if the things that were behind were only wrong. But what if the thing that was behind for Paul was that he resurrected somebody from the dead? And where you and I, if we resurrected somebody from the dead, we'd write a book, we'd start a conference tour, we'd get on the radio, we'd get on television, amen, we'd go the rest of our 30 years of ministry saying the resurrection that happened way back in 2021. And God said, I want you to resurrect two people tomorrow, but you can't walk into your more of tomorrow while you're still focused on what was behind you. So whether what was behind you was narcotics in your veins, whether what was behind you was a bottle in your hand, whether what was behind you you as you go scrolling through the internet you hooking up with somebody or whether what was behind you was you running the aisles and talking in tongues and doing backflips and holy rolling for it don't matter there's still something else ahead you've got to make up your mind I'm pressing forward somebody say forward Salvation is not just a moment, it's a movement. Sanctification is not, I have been sanctified, I am being sanctified. When's the last time you gave up something for the Lord? See, because the closer you get to Jesus, it doesn't mean the less that you sense conviction over sin, but now you sense conviction over pride. Now you feel the the fire of His holiness burning, the motives of your heart that you don't want the attention of people, that you want to walk in greater humility. There's something else that happens in sanctification when you walk closer to the Lord. But thank God I will not be fully sanctified until I see him on that day. But when I see him, I shall be like him. Amen. I'm thankful that there will be no more cancer and no more funerals. But friend, let me tell you what else I'm thankful for. In heaven, there'll be no more tempter. There'll be no more flesh. There'll be no more carnal man. Oh, hallelujah. I shall be sanctified. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. But Ephesians chapter 5 and 18 is the present continual verb. It says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be being filled. Constantly topping off that tank. Constantly staying full. It matters not that you talked in tongues 20 years ago. Amen. That river needs to continually flow in your life. 
By way of announcement, if y'all don't give me a freebie tomorrow night, I plan on preaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It is one of my favorite things to preach on, and I don't just believe we ought to get in when the water's troubled, but it's when it comes to the baptism. I think we need to have a firm scriptural foundation and not just get filled on accident, but get filled on purpose. And so the baptism, you were filled but you need to be being filled, and not just in services, but every day of your life. This lady, 104 years old, in London, Kentucky, uh, Maria Woodworth Etter went through London, Kentucky in 1907 or 8. A dentist that was filled with the Holy Ghost had invited her to come. She resurrected somebody from the dead, and they started First Pentecostal Church. Uh, First Pentecostal, I've had the privilege of preaching there many, many times. One time a seven-week revival, one time a four-week revival. But that great church had a pastor years ago, Brother Gene Huff, who was also a state senator for the state of Kentucky. And he went and he found one of those charter members that was now 104 years old. She was now in retirement home, and he asked her about getting filled with the Holy Ghost. 70 something years ago and he said what's it been like since then she said oh Pastor Huff I can only think about 6 or 7 days I've not prayed in the Holy Ghost in 70 something years I'm telling you that river can flow every day of your life I was filled I am being filled and I shall be filled you make a major damage to your walk with God when somehow you put a check mark on it give yourself some brownie points and say I have a hear me tonight God's got somewhere for you to go I don't want to be the church that he's got to pull off on the side of the road and say we can't go ahead until y'all get along we can't go ahead until y'all start acting right we can't move forward we got to circle back and go back to where we I don't want to be that church I want to be the church that falls in line with what God has getting one mind and one accord and say if we're going somewhere Lord then we can't stop here give us faith to go forward Give us faith to go forward. See, God called David when he was just a small boy. He was a shepherd. You, you ever find people that sing too much to themselves kind of annoy you? I, I, I don't know if that's why his father said put him out there with a the sheep. Maybe that's why his brothers said he's so arrogant, he's obnoxious, he thinks too much of himself. Proud, where's your little flock at? Forgot to call him in when Samuel called for, for him, called the, the sons to come forward. But as a boy, which one of y'all want to help me? Come here. Come here. Quick, quick. Come here. Come here. <laughs> Kneel down right here. Kneel down. Go ahead. Good job, Bubba. He's so nervous. Bless his heart. And Samuel poured a ram's horn of oil. I'm not going to use that, that horn. That's like a kudu horn or something. <laughs> but he poured a ram's horn of oil over the head of David. You know what he was saying? You're going somewhere. There's a throne with your name on it. Now, I, I listen to the Bible sometimes when I'm at the gym or, or, you know, people listen to super hype music. I just listen to the Bible or preaching or audio books. And today I was listening to the moment that God told Saul, go wipe out the Amalekites, and he didn't do it. And, and, and Samuel came to him, and he said, the kingdom has been ripped from you. And you know what happened to Saul? He stayed in the throne room for over, over 16 years he still had the job. You know what that means? 
It means that God is the only person you can work for in, 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 in which he can fire you and let you keep on working and you not even know anything changed. Samson shook himself and wished not that the glory of God had departed. Thought I still got the job. Careful, friend, that you don't go through the motions of your ministry and your religious activity. Well, I can still strum the guitar. I can still beat a drum. I can still shout hallelujah. I can still wave a Bible and beat on a pulpit and fake everybody into thinking that I'm still God's man or woman of faith and power. I can still say, yay, 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 thus saith the Lord. I can still quote. I can still do. And it's all out of your mind. And meanwhile, he's ripped it away from you. Meanwhile, Saul's still thinking, I got the job, but Samuel's going to anoint David. You know what's interesting about that story is that Samuel was still, he was still politically tied in. And so when God told Samuel, go down to the house of Jesse and anoint one of his sons, Samuel said, but if Saul finds out, he'll kill me. I'm talking about this prophet of God was scared for his life. God in his mercy said, okay, Samuel. Take a little bullock with you. Go on down to Bethlehem. If anybody asks what you're doing, you just say, I'm going to offer a sacrifice. Slay the sacrifice. Pour the oil on the head and then get out of town. Isn't God so merciful that even when you're afraid, he still gives you an alibi? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and, so, and so he anoints David. And I need a... I'll just use this chair right here. And, and so... He's telling David, you're going somewhere. There's a throne with your name on it. But what's he do? Does he get to go straight from the place of anointing to the throne? No, he goes back to the sheepfold. So come here. Come here, Devin. Stay right there. You tired yet? You wore out? Yeah, you need some money? I got to pay you to stay there? What we got to do? How are we going to negotiate this? You go, go ahead, sit there for me. Sit there for me. Go ahead. That way you don't get wore out from doing nothing. <laughs> and so he pours the oil on David's head. And then David begins to grow. He's just, he's just playing love songs to Jesus on his harp. And God says, you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. And now the anointing is lifted off of Saul. And tormenting spirits are coming on him. Hmm. Don't just talk in tongues. Walk in obedience. Authority. If we're going to echo your authority, if we're going to echo your authority, we got to walk under that authority. You don't have authority over demons if he doesn't have authority over you. And so because Saul still thought he was the anointed one but was living in rebellion, evil spirits came to torment him. They said, let's get somebody with the anointing. And so they said, one of the sons of Jesse, he could do the job. And so they said, take that singing ministry and bring it into the palace. Promotion. Now he's the worship pastor at the palace. Amen. Go in the right direction. I'm taking you somewhere. Now you're closer than you were before. Somehow he went back home there at the war with the Philistines. And here comes Goliath. And he goes out there bringing, uh, uh, it was like a charcuterie board. Y'all know what that is? <laughs> 
I never heard no preacher say that, but that's what it thought. It was just cheese. Like, that's what some of y'all put out as hors d'oeuvres. Like, she rolled up cheese and yogurt and stuff, and that's what he was going to feed his brothers. And, they, and, and, and he said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine that he should come against the armies of the living God? And he says, Saul, that spirit of God that's been upon me, he anointed me to tear a bear to pieces. He anointed me to take down a lion. I feel that same Holy Ghost moving on me to take out this giant. I don't need your armor. God's anointed me. I think I can do it. And he says, whoever kills the giant will be married one of my daughters into the royal family. David said, let me at him. And so with that sling, you know the story. He slays the giant and now he's married into the royal family. Now he's not just worship pastor. Now he's warrior because sometimes a song won't do the job. There's a time for singing and there's a time for swinging. There's a time to sing. There's a time to sing. May his favor be upon you for a thousand. You just start crying, oh, my children and their children. But friend, if you sang it for three hours and your babies are still addicted, it's time for you to stop singing it and you get on your face and intercede and push back the plate and say, I will go to war. I will go to war. I will go to war and still something till something changes. He was a worshiper, but now he's being promoted to a warrior. And now he's married into the family tree. Promotion, promotion. We're going somewhere. Promotion. And now he's going out with King Saul. They're going to war. When they come back, the girls are singing along the city streets. Saul is slain as thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And now his father-in-law, the king, is jealous. Starts throwing javelins at him. What do you do when there's an anointing on your life that says I'm taking you somewhere and promotion makes you feel like you're going the right direction? You've killed giants. You've married to the princess. Man, everything seems to be going right. And now it all comes crashing in. See, there can be persecution in the midst of promotion. You don't even have to take notes on that or write it down because it's where you're living at. The spirit of God is increasing, but so is the opposition that's coming against you. And so it gets so fierce that David has to make a decision. If I stay here, I'm going to be attacked by my authority. Now, maybe he was strong enough he could have taken Saul down himself. But he said, I will not touch God's anointed and I will not do his prophets any harm. And so I'm not going to do that. So what am I going to do with myself when God's got a place for me, but in the midst of promotion, I'm being persecuted. You know, in the upper room, God poured out his spirit on that infant church. God poured out his spirit on that newborn church. God said, I'm taking you somewhere. Oh, I've got a kingdom for you. Oh, it's not a kingdom of this world. It's not Rome's kingdom. It's a kingdom of authority over demons, over darkness, over disease, all the powers of hell. I'm taking you somewhere. So what happened when they got out of the upper room? Promotion? No, persecution. Peter, James, and John, one of the three closest disciples, James, killed. Didn't get time to do anything. He didn't plan a church. He didn't write a book of the Bible. Done. Persecuted. That's why they prayed so hard for Peter, because James was thrown down from the pinnacle of the temple. Killed. Oh, we're talking in tongues. We're having revival. Yeah, and one of our leaders, one of the 12, is now dead. What do you do when the oil's still trickling off of you 
and you just got out of a good service and the move of God is still moving in your life and you're still talking in tongues and as soon as you cross the threshold of your house here comes somebody cursing in your direction here comes your boss being belligerent saying you're good for nothing here comes the past coming to beat you up again what do you do so what does David do he has options he could go back to Bethlehem and say mama daddy let me back in I don't know how your mama is or how your granny is, but I got a granny that if I called her and said, the judge is sentencing me to 50 years of prison, she'd say, oh, baby, it wasn't your fault. I don't know what happened, but my little sugar, my little RW, he never do nothing. Oh, let me make some cookies for you. You just come over to my house, and with everything's going to be on. Don't you worry one thing about it. Everybody in this room has somebody that you know you can go to and will give your little sympathy, give yourself a little pat on the back, and tell you everything's okay, but David didn't go home to where it was comfortable. He could have rounded up all those people that were singing his praises and found a popularity group and said, y'all said I've slayed my tens of thousands. How about you just make me your leader and we'll go do our own thing. But he didn't try to politic either. Where did he go? Where do you go when you know that there's a call on your life but persecution's coming to hunt you down? He went to Samuel. Samuel is a prophet in the Old Testament and the prophet is the living embodiment of the word of God. He went back to the word. Hallelujah. But, but, but do I have to fall out every time I need a breakthrough? Friend, you don't have to feel one goose bump in your body at all. You can just take the word into your bedroom and say, Hath God not said and shall he not do it? Hath he not spoken and shall he not make it good? I will take the medicine of his word. I will quote the word. I will declare the word. Not my word, but your word. I will remind you of your word until I see it come to pass. I love he goes to Ramah where Samuel is now old. And when Samuel was a boy, there was no open vision and the word of God was rare, meaning he was the only prophet in the land. But now Samuel's old and he said, I'm not going out like that. And he starts a school of the prophets. Wouldn't that have been awesome? What's crazy is that Samuel's raising up other young men to be prophets, but couldn't raise his own boys right. Now, I'm not indicting him. I'm just telling you, you can do your best and even walk in the anointing, and everything doesn't always turn out right. I know too many missionaries who have children that have walked away. What do you do when you're on the mission field trying to win Indonesia, and your children are back home in America living an ungodly life? You keep on doing the work of the Lord. You keep on being faithful. You Keep on pressing in, interceding, and believing God. And so, so he goes to Ramah and he builds dorms, places of habitation, a place where you don't come and visit, but you stay. You move in. That's what the word naoth means. It means a dwelling, a habitation. He goes and he, go ahead, get your breakthrough. <laughs> Blow the trumpet in Zion. So he, he goes and he builds a Naoth. And while he's there, here comes David. And David's knocking at the door saying, let me in. Let me in. And Samuel's now old and he opens the door. Come on, Bubba. Come here. Come here. Thank you. Give me a high five. Give me a high five right here. Throw the Kleenex in there. Amen. And go right, right over here. Right over here. You did awesome. Give him a hand. <clears throat> 
Amen. And so he's knocking at the door saying, Samuel, let me in. Let me in. And now Samuel, a feeble old, creaks open the door and says, David, what are you doing here? And David says, Saul, the king, he's hunting me down. He's trying to kill me. Now, now what did I just tell you about Samuel? When Samuel poured oil over David, he said, I don't want Saul to kill me. I don't want to lose my political favor. I don't want to lose my friends. I don't want people to think that I'm like working against the king. I still want to have, I still want to be popular amongst the other leaders of the country. See, you know what? I believe revival comes through one of two groups of people. People that are so young and fresh that they don't know no better. They don't know, they don't know how to be politically correct. They don't know how to prophesy in the King James. Amen. They haven't been raised in it all their life. Glory to God. They just, they just love Jesus. Amen. I had a lot of great revivals when I was 16 and 17 years old. You know why? I didn't know any better. And I'm sure a lot of people thought he ought not say some of those things he's saying. But you know what? We saw breakthrough. We saw revival. You know why? Because when you're young and you're hungry and you don't know no better, you just kick down the gate of opposition and say, I want a move of God that's why you see young people going after God but I think there's another group of people that I see revival come through and that's people that are so old they don't care no more have a seat brother people that are so old they don't care no more you ever see him you ever see him they're just, they his, his, his wife's done passed away he's done worn the same thing to church five weeks in a row He's got crumbs from breakfast on him. Nobody to fix him up, but he's going to be in the house of God. He's not there for the show. He's not there for the karaoke. He's not there for the lights. Oh, but if you need an intercessor, if you go back and get him, amen, he don't care what people think. He don't care what you think about him, but he knows how to get a hold of God. I think if there's people that are so young, they don't, they don't know any better, and we get some elders that are so old, they don't care about politics. They're not running for mayor. They're not trying to be the head of a committee. They just want the glory of God again. I think that God can find a people he can move through and so he says come in here come in here come in here and when he gets shut in in a habitation of the presence of God with a living embodiment of the word of God amen the Lord reminds David you're going somewhere I, I need to tell I need to tell Grace Fellowship you're going somewhere I've not been in that building over there yet and I don't know how long it'll take, but you're not there yet. But that, we're not going to wait till we get there to have revival. There's souls that need breakthrough now. There's addicts that need to go free now. There's marriages that need to be restored now. Amen. And when we get there, we're not going to lose what we had here. Amen. We're going somewhere, but we're not there yet. And when you get in that building, that is not the center of your climactic hope. That is not the zenith and apex of your calling. Amen. You got to get in there and say, forgetting those things which are behind, now we're going to pay off the mortgage. And when you pay off the mortgage, you're going to say, forgetting those things which are behind, now we're going to fill up every Sunday school class with people need Jesus and then we do that now forgetting those things which are behind we're going to two services why we're pressing towards the mark and we're not there yet brother Robert that's going to be a big place what you think we'll need double services friend 
If Satan had a service on Sunday, he's having 10 services on Sunday. His church is always bigger than God's church. There's plenty of souls in this county that need people that will go and get them and say, no matter how many are saved, all of them aren't saved yet. We're not done with the work yet. That's corporately what I want to say to Grace Fellowship. But individually, I want to speak to some of you and tell you, you're not there yet. You, if, you, if you found a, a place of settling, if you found a place of, of just putting it in cruise control and thinking I'm fine with what I'm doing, friend, you are miscarrying the move of God that he's placed inside of you. When my sister was expecting her first child, she was watching all the Discovery Health and watching all those channels, and I don't know where she saw it, National Geographic or something, but she saw a documentary about a woman, I believe it was in Indonesia, who passed away in her late 60s, early 70s, somewhere in there, and in the autopsy of the body, they found something very strange. They said it was not the reason of the woman's death, and yet it was, it was so unique. They made it uh, uh, known in medical journals around the world that this woman, they went back into her medical record, and, and, and read where she had went to the doctor in her early 30s. And, and, and she had complained of symptoms, discomfort. He, didn't, he, he ran tests. He did, couldn't diagnose it. So he gave her painkillers, sedatives, sleep aids. She went home. She went to sleep. She took the painkillers. And, and the symptoms got worse. More discomfort. More, more, more problems. Bleeding. She goes back to the doctor. He runs more tests. He can't figure out what's wrong. And so finally he just says, I'll give you a stronger dose. More painkillers. Let's numb that pain. Let's get you to sleep through it until you get better. Until she was so numb and she was so drugged up. She saw that she was putting on weight. But she said, this is just something that's happening at this stage of my life. I can't seem to get the weight off. And what they did not find out until 30 or 40 years later in the autopsy is that a baby was growing inside of her. And instead of her travailing and taking on the natural part of being a mother and saying something's on the way I'm looking forward to birth I'm looking forward to life instead she got numb instead she slept through it instead she medicated herself into a place that that fetus instead of dying and being pushed out instead it just mummified and calcified and she literally carried an unborn child inside her womb the rest of her life it's a gruesome thing to say, Brother Robert. You know what's more gruesome than that? That the Lord would plant an anointing inside of the womb of your soul. That he would put revival inside of you. That he would put a move of God inside of you. A ministry to see people come to Jesus. And you say, but I'm so uncomfortable. You, what do you think God sent that discomfort? So you'll get on your prayer bones and you'll intercede until it's birthed. I can't scream it. You're going to have to just get it at the same volume. Amen. If God has put, not if, he has put something inside of you. And if all you do is come to religion to give you a sedative, let somebody preach until I feel better. Sing it down until I'm numb. Oh, you're missing out. God's got something for you. And you don't, until you've given birth and you walk in it, you're not there yet. 
If I had the gift of prophecy to operate right now, I'd go one by one and I'd tell you, you're not there yet. You're not there yet. Sister Lydia, you're not there yet. God's got something for your life. And I'm glad you're stepping towards it, but you're not there yet. Don't give up on the dream. Don't diminish it. Don't negotiate it with the devil. Don't say that I just I just have to give in halfway. My spouse doesn't want to walk in it. And we don't have the finances to operate in it. Oh, no, friend. God said I'm going somewhere. And if I'm not there yet, I got to keep on moving in that direction. And if you're here tonight and you got gray hair or no hair, and you've buried friends, maybe even a spouse, and you say, Brother Robert, I don't know why God took them, but he didn't take me. I live in pain. People don't come to visit. I've been to too many funerals. I don't have the people around that I used to be around. Why am I still here? Friend, let me speak to you. You're not there yet. And God made no accidents. If he made you a boy, he made you a boy on purpose. He didn't make an accident. If he made you a girl, he made you a girl on purpose. He didn't make an accident. I I said that so I could get the amen warmed up because that's political and y'all all all like to shout on that issue right now. But friend, it's just as true if mama went on to be with the Lord, but you're still here. Or papa went on to be with the Lord, but you're still here. He makes no accidents. I'm sorry you had to bury that child. I'm sorry you had to bury that spouse. I'm sorry you feel alone. But if you're not there yet, it means you still got a work to do down here. David, you're going somewhere. You're going somewhere. Let me speak to the men of God in this room. The spiritual, there's a spiritual tide that moves in this altar. And I'd say about 80% of it is females. And that's wonderful. Women are sensitive to the spirit. But I need some men of God to hear me tonight. There's something in you. God's got to take you somewhere. And you've not yet arrived. If Paul hadn't arrived, then let Paul preach you a little men's conference. And say, after all the beatings. After taking my handkerchiefs and laying them on the sick and they recovered. After raising up uh, a Eutychus out of the window from dying I still haven't arrived if Paul hasn't made it sir you are not there yet we need you to keep going forward 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 what does that mean you want me to you want me to do more spiritual things friend more for some of you would meaning starting to read your bible every day More for some of you would mean starting to have a prayer life other than sitting in a deer stand and praying that a buck walks by. No, 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 no. That's not a prayer life. Going down the road, you can pray on your tractor. You can pray in your truck. But friend, a man of God seeks God's face earnestly. You're telling me I got to do more? I'm telling for some of you, you got to start. Coming in here and lifting your arm at the appropriate angle on the third key change of the high octane song is not the arriving place of your spirituality. Dropping some money in the offering does not say that you're done with your spiritual duty. I thank God for you being a provider, a man of integrity, keeping your marriage together, but God's not done with you yet. You're not there yet. Keep going forward. You know what I love about this story? Is that when David gets into a habitation, not a visitation of God, a habitation of God. There's a whole other sermon right there. That, that Saul says, go get him. The King James calls them messengers, but they're really military. And when the military might of the land comes to capture God's anointed, 
How many know in 2021, born-again Bible believers are about to be seen as the bigots of America? We're about to be seen as the most, the most prejudiced group of people. Has nothing to do with race. Has everything to do that we believe in the exclusive blood of Jesus to be the answer. Not the White House, not Republicans or Democrats, but only Jesus. They're going to hate us more and more. And what do you do when you're trying to move in your anointing and they're chasing you down? You get shut in with the presence of God and the word of God. And as the messengers got closer to where the spirit of God was, they came to arrest David. But instead they got arrested. Y'all done sang and shouted for an hour and a half. I don't know if you wanted me to give you a 20 minute devotion. I got a little bit more word in me. Hear me. They came to arrest the man of God and instead they got arrested by the Holy Ghost. Let me explain something that will help Pentecostals right here. The Old Testament Hebrew word for prophesy does not necessarily mean that they said anything. When it says they prophesy, how many know they could still put shackles on him if their mouth was moving? It doesn't just mean that was, it was speech. It means a spirit-controlled state of ecstasy. The Holy Ghost arrested them and they couldn't take another step. And so Saul sent some more military and they got arrested by the Holy Ghost. And the Saul sent some more military and they got arrested by the Holy Ghost. Finally, Saul said, I'm going myself. And here comes this king, head and shoulders taller than the rest of the land. And he comes as far as a great well that is at Seshu. And I was talking to your pastor today about how needful it is in the day and hour we live for there to be a well for thirsty people to come to. Thirsty people. When I was 14 years old, I had a poster of Rod Parsley on my wall. I didn't care about bands. I didn't care about Marvel. I didn't care about comics. I wanted to be a preacher. And when I got older and I got invited to preach in Kenya, I went to the largest church in East Africa, 30,000 people. I preached their youth service before their main service that morning. The bishop took me back into the, uh, after the service, and we had lunch together. And he asked us where we were from in the United States. And I told him, and he said, I've been to the United States. And I said, really, where? He said, I used to go to Columbus, Ohio every year to Dominion Camp Meeting. Because when you drill a well for the Spirit of God to move, they will come from all over the world. Can I tell you, he doesn't come to Ohio anymore. I don't mean to besmirge any ministry's name, but friend, that's not the well that it used to be. There's a lot of people that can put on a show on different celebrity ministries, but we have very few wells. We got pastors' conferences, church growth conference, denominational political conference, but we have very few places where people have interceded, where people know how to fast, where people have dug a well. But if you dig a well, friend, they will come from all over to find a place because they're thirsty. Some of y'all are even in the service right now because you're thirsty. People tuned in online because they're thirsty and they can't find anywhere else to get a drink. Drink. He said, they said, they said at the well, they said they're at Naoth. And so he starts climbing the hill of Rama. Rama means a high place. But something starts happening in the journey. <laughs> he doesn't get arrested all at once. As he's getting closer, for some reason he doesn't even know, he lets down his sword. And then he lays down his shield, takes off his helmet, takes off his breastplate. I mean, he came to do war with David, and now he's losing all of his artillery. 
I'm talking about he's emptying out his clip <laughs> and then laying down his gun. He's got nothing in the chamber until he gets so close, he starts taking off his clothes too. Until he gets so close to the presence of God, he's arrested and lays down on his face. The king of the land. And David didn't have to speak against him. David didn't have to riot. David didn't have to hold up some sign and say we're against this kingdom. David didn't have to do anything political. He simply got shut in the presence of God and said, Lord, you said, not me. You said there's a call on my life. I'm going to trust you in the middle of it all. And the Holy Ghost arrested Saul until he had no power to attack. And even though that word doesn't necessarily have to mean (laughs) that he said anything, what if he did say something? What if he wasn't just controlled in a state of ecstasy? What if God made him prophesy? What if God made your enemy prophesy to you? What if God made those that are against you have to start agreeing with what God said about you? What if those that hated you, what if even those in the days of Nero and Caesar said these Christians are against us, but they take care of the poor better than we do. They take care of widows better than we do. They take care of orphans better than we do. God will make even your enemies to come, hallelujah, and make peace with you. Oh, I wish somebody would get so shut in with the presence of God that even the devil himself has to not only stop lying but even give his one day every knee will bow and every tongue that includes the tongue of Lucifer Satan himself will have to say you are the king and you are the Lord you can get shut in the presence of God now because we're not there yet we're not there yet We are fighting in America for success. The American dream is about success, success and growth, growth in our bank accounts, growth in our business, growth, bigger house, bigger car, bigger, 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 bigger. But friend, that's not what promotion in the kingdom looks like. Our brothers and sisters around the world are being persecuted and at the same time experiencing revival. Iran has the fastest growing Christian community of anywhere in the world. They can only meet with a maximum of 10 believers at a time. They cannot even give their real name when they come into those private house meetings. And yet more and more are getting born again. The mosques are empty and the church is growing and expanding. I'm telling you, God is moving all over the world. And we still want to have it easy. Will you still have a shout when persecution comes? Will you still believe your anointing when javelins are thrown your direction? Will you still be able to pick up your harp and say, though you slay me, yet will I trust you? Hallelujah. You know what they found in Africa? That somehow America had so promoted the gospel of the problem solver that African preachers said, let's just preach that American gospel. Jesus solves your problems. And they got people into the church and they told them Jesus is here to solve your problems. But people found out even after they got saved, they still got problems. And sometimes the problems got worse. Because you make enemies of the devil when you start serving King Jesus. And people started leaving and saying, I didn't get my problems answered. I got more problems when I came to church. I'm giving up on that. I need the church in 2021 to realize if javelins are thrown at me, he's still worthy. If the government stands against me, he's still worthy. If the school kicks out my kids, he's still worthy. If my friends and my family turn their back on me, he's still worthy. Why? Because
because I'm not there yet. What's there? There is heaven, but there is also revival. And in the middle of the process from the anointing to revival, I may be persecuted, but I will not stop until I get there. Stand with me to your feet all over the house if you would please.